0: Welcome to the sermon podcast of Faith Lutheran Church in Oregon, Wisconsin. Proclaiming the historic faith of Christ crucified and the promises of God that our faith clings to. For more information, visit us online at faithlutheranoregon.com. Psalms 120 to 134 are all inscribed as psalms of ascent. Actually, had a misprint in your service folder uh, where Psalm 123 was inscribed as a psalm of David. It's actually a psalm of ascent. And it's believed these 15 psalms were sung by worshipers as they ascended uh, the road to Jerusalem to attend three pilgrim festivals, the festival of Passover, the festival of Pentecost, and the festival of booths or tabernacles. Jerusalem was on a hill on Mount Zion. So from whatever direction you would come from, it was said that you would always go up to Jerusalem. You know, we might say, I'm, I'm going up to Madison, or I'm going up to the cabin, in which we're talking about going north. But uh, even if you were going south to Jerusalem, say from Bethany, uh, you would still be going up. And as you were walking up, as you were ascending, you would join all the other travelers in singing, and there would be a progression of thought in the Psalms. This is why we have uh, the introit, uh, uh, with which I, I enter the chancel, I ascend the chancel area, uh, while we have the gradual from, from which I, I walk from one side to the other. Uh, it's, it's what they would have done uh, in the Jewish temple. And There's a progression of thought in these 15 psalms. So Psalm 121 begins, I lift up my eyes to the hills. So your eyes are are raised to the hills all around you and and, and most prominently to the hill in front of you from whence comes your help. Psalm 122 raises your eyes a little farther to the holy city on top of the mountain, to, to, to Mount Zion, to the temple. I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Psalm 123 lifts our eyes even farther, beyond the mountains, beyond even the temple, to the Lord himself who art in heaven. Unto you I lift up my eyes, you who dwell in the heavens. And I've said before how beautifully the Lord's Prayer fits in the season of Lent, which is why I I have your family liturgies for Lent suggesting that you read the uh, the Lord's Prayer, the petitions of the Lord's Prayer each week. And from Psalm 123, this is exactly how Jesus teaches us to pray. Our Father who art in heaven, God who dwells, who is enthroned, who dwells in heaven, To you alone we look and we pray. Behold, as the eyes of a servant look to the hand of their masters, as the eyes of a maid to the hand of her mistress, so our eyes look to the Lord our God until he has mercy on us. Now this is kind of a hard picture for us to get. We might say, as dogs look to their masters. Because we've been conditioned to see servanthood as an evil thing and masters as mean or abusive tyrants. But that's not at all the picture we get here in the psalm. Uh, These are male and female servants who have a wonderful master who provides everything they need. Their eyes are always on their master because they know their master has a plan. They know their master will look out for them. But they also know because they've spent time with their master, they know how their master communicates, how he communicates his will, what his needs are, what his needs are to be done. It might be a glance. It might be a quick hand gesture. Or it might be plain speech. So Jesus has also taught us to pray, thy will be done on earth. As it is in heaven. You know, I just thought the the phrase, as it is in heaven, was a little redundant, even obvious. Well, of course, God is in heaven. But it makes perfect sense in terms of a servant seeing his master's will, looking to do his master's will, like here in Psalm 123. How do we know what God's will is? Well, we need to look. Our eyes need to be toward the Lord. And so that means we need to spend time with him. We need to be in his word. We need to hear his voice here in the congregation. We need to get to know his body language, if you will, in the Lord's Supper. We need to have our eyes fixed on the Lord in heaven so that we, his servants, may be able to carry out his will on earth or at least recognize his will so that we don't set ourselves against will and this is especially important in times of distress if a house is under attack servants will need to be prepared to fight if their eye is not on the master if they're gazing somewhere else they would miss what the master's will is which in times of distress uh, might be very crucial and very dangerous for them to miss That's the context of this psalm. The psalm continues, For we are exceedingly filled with contempt. Or as another translation says, For we have had more than enough of contempt. Our soul has had more than enough scorn of those who are at ease of the contempt of the proud. We've experienced more than enough of our fair share of contempt and scorn of the world. These servants have their eyes on their masters. They've been faithfully serving their, serving their master, but, but the eyes of, of everyone around them have been directed at them in contempt. As they go about their work peacefully and diligently, the world heckles them. The world mocks them. It accuses them of doing evil, even as they are doing Good. It's exactly what some of those around Jesus in our gospel lesson did and thought. They see Jesus doing the will of his father, casting out a demon, which was mute from a man, and they look at Jesus with contempt, with scorn. They said, he drives out demons by Beelzebub, the ruler of the demons. Others were testing him by demanding of him a sign from heaven. Now, it's amazing that they ask for a sign from heaven, since that's exactly what Jesus had just done. But these people around him have no idea what the will of God is, because their eyes are shut. So they call evil good and and good evil. They accuse Jesus of working with the devil when they themselves show who actually is on the side of the devil. They accuse Jesus of being divisive, When they are being divisive, they were fine with the man having a demon. They were just fine with the man having a demon. They are, as Psalm 123 said, at ease. Everything was fine before Jesus came and started disrupting their life. To them, the state of the man was better when he had the demon than after Jesus cast it out. This happens today when the world looks at the church and calls Christianity and claims Christianity is the cause of, well, if not all, at least most of the world's problems. It would be easy to be at peace if everyone just followed the devil, of course, but that's not true peace. It's a kingdom united in chaos. Jesus has come and he needs to plunder the devil's kingdom. He needs to preach the law. He has to convict the world of sin. He has to upset those who are content in their own sin and unbelief. And sometimes that does mean, because of the hardness of hearts, that there will be conflict. But the kingdom of God is always better than the kingdom of the world or of the devil. This is why it's so important for us to have our eyes lifted up to the Lord in heaven To know what his will is in heaven, so that it may be done on earth. In the Catechism, we ask, what is the will of God and how is it done? God's will is done when he breaks and hinders every evil counsel and will, which will not let us hallow his name, nor let his kingdom come, such as the will of the devil, the world, and our own flesh, but strengthens and keeps us steadfast in his word and in faith until our end. Sometimes the kingdom of God does seem to come with violence. To a bunch of dying flies on the ground of a room, I know my house has a lot right now, maybe yours says too, a bunch of dying flies on the, on the ground of a room, a broom, seems violent. But the sweeping needs to be done. In order for God's will to be done, Jesus needed to break the will of of the devil, the ruler of the flies, Beelzebub. He has to cast out the mute demon because the demon was causing the man to be mute and preventing him from praising God. The man was being prevented from hallowing God's name. Jesus needs to break the kingdom of the devil, even if some people prefer it because they are content in their sin. So we have a stark contrast between what they do in in, in response to Jesus casting out a demon and what we heard last week of the Canaanite woman, what she did asking Jesus to cast out the demon from her daughter. The Canaanite woman considered herself a dog who looked up to her master's table content with the scraps that fell. She considered herself a servant and in the midst of her distress, bent down on and with tear-filled eyes, looked up to her Lord for his will to be done. On the other hand, you have these men who refuse to look to heaven and have made their own minds what heaven should do. They turn their eyes down from heaven and they call what Jesus is doing evil because it means if he's actually doing good, well, that condemns them. Like a child who knows he's done wrong and he hides and he refuses then to look at his father's eyes refuses to look up because he's afraid of what his father might say when in reality by hiding and refusing to look he's actually just making matters worse and making his father angry when before the father just wanted to talk and be merciful to him the world refuses to look to god in mercy because they're too proud to seek it. But the servant of Psalm 123 lifts his eyes to God until God has mercy, confident that in the appointed time, God will have mercy. Sometimes our will needs to be broken if it's aligned with the devil's. But once our will is plundered, is plundered from the devil, well, now it can actually be turned to the will of God. It can be tuned, in tune, with the will of God. Now we can actually look to God in mercy, for we know what God's will ultimately is. Not destruction, but a peace that the world cannot give. Think of Stephen, the first martyr after Jesus' ascension. Stephen preached about the kingdom of God. But those around him, they, they refused to listen. They, in, in Acts 7, we actually read, when they heard Stephen, they were enraged, and they gnashed their teeth at him. They shut their teeth. They screamed at the top of their lungs. They covered their ears, it says. They covered their ears, and they rushed at him with one purpose in mind. <clears throat> Having refused to hear God's will, their ears being shut by satan they were united in destruction and hate and so they stoned stephen but then we read but stephen full of the holy spirit gazed up into heaven and he saw the glory of god and jesus standing at the right hand of god he said look i see heaven opened and the son of man standing at the right hand of God. A servant looks to his master. We look to God who art in heaven. His good and gracious will is done even without our asking, but we pray that, may, that it may be done also among us. He will have mercy upon us. He will deliver us from evil. He will give us our daily bread. He will forgive us our trespasses. And so, like Jesus, like Stephen, as the world scorns us, as we are on our way, ascending to the heavenly Jerusalem, we fix our eyes on our Father who art in heaven. What does it matter if the world has contempt or scorn against us? What does it matter that we are the contempt of the proud or those at ease? To the will of the world, we are indifferent. It doesn't matter what they think, even if they're jeering us uh, on our way to the heavenly Jerusalem. What matters is what our master thinks. And if we, with our eyes fixed on him, can, can detect the slightest gesture of God's good and gracious will, well, that's enough. As servants look to their masters... Unto you I lift up my eyes, O you who dwell in the heavens. In Jesus' name, amen. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be forevermore. Amen.